0: Welcome to the Stay Classy San Diego show on The Answer San Diego. This program is dedicated to keeping you informed and engaged with the latest news and trending events in the San Diego region. Join us on a weekly exploration as we sit down with prominent political figures, insightful analysts, industry professionals, and influential community members.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Stay Classy San Diego. I'm your guest host, Steve Petersky, filling in for Steve Wire. Today, I am joined by... Rebecca Jones, the mayor of San Marcos. Thank you so much. Um, Today, we'll also be talking a little bit about SANDAG, the spiciness going on there, the new CEO search, um, the state of the regional transportation plan. And then also, we're going to dig into a little bit of what's going on in San Marcos. A lot of action and activity going on there, Um, big things happening. So we just wanted to detail some of those things for the audience a little bit. But um, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us.
0: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: So... Sandag, one of your favorite subjects, yeah. um, I think, uh, um, and, and, you know, one across the county. But uh, yeah, you know, there's a new CEO search, a lot of things going on um, with the organization now, um, and especially coming off of the heels of, you know, yourself and Ryan Klein from Oceanside getting the road user charged, chucked from the uh, regional transportation plan. That was a big win for a lot of people. And I think a lot of residents, too. They didn't, it definitely wasn't um, something that played well, but um, if you could give us a quick little recap on that, just for the audience to know, I know there was a lot of coverage around it, but just your thoughts on the ruck.
0: Yeah, so so let me just talk about SANDAG for one moment. Sure. Um So SANDAG is the regional planning agency for transportation in San Diego County. All cities have a representative, so there are 19 cities. I'm sorry, 18 cities plus the county, so 19 agencies that are represented there. It is uh, the most hostile environment I've honestly ever seen. And, you know, I've been on the city council since January of 2007. I was elected three times as council member, and then I just got reelected twice, uh, the second time as mayor. So I've been doing this a long time, five elections, and here I am. I've never seen anything as a regional agency the way that it is today. It's very hostile, and I think a lot of the board members have forgotten um, a who they work for and B to read what they are voting on and getting prepared and so I find it personally very frustrating because I do take the time and effort uh, to um you know serve all of the ca- the citizens of San Diego county and you know one one thing that I think is really important is that we 're given thousands of pages that we 're supposed to read to make good decisions, and it 's just not happening and So again, you talked about Hassan Akrata leaving the agency we can 't even decide on you know how to move forward on that. We do have two deputy CEOs. Um, And, you know, it's really important that we have, you know, talent that is within our organization, but also outside. But there is uh, some upper management that is extremely toxic. And I spoke about this at the last Sandeg meeting. Um, and and that is actually calling board members uh, in the organization saying, if you don't vote for something, you are going to lose uh, certain projects and this is going to happen at a board meeting. And just things like that should never be happening. The fact that any SANDEG staff member thinks that they could actually call an elected official and, you know, it was kind of interesting because it became so toxic. I brought this up and I brought it up for a reason. And that was I wanted people to understand what's going on in the organization, how far it has gone to a um, a level where there is not much work happening. Uh, there is a situation where you've got uh, a board chair, vice chair, that is a uh, board chair is uh, Nora Vargas, supervisor Nora Vargas. Vice chair is Sean Elo Rivera from San Diego. And Lisa Huebner is the second vice chair from uh, the city of Solana Beach. You have an organization that is no longer listening to the board members. Part of it, I think, has to do with our our actual leadership. But a lot of it has to do with, honestly, um, the organization and the unwillingness for different voices to be heard and actually collaborated with, and you know, anytime something like that happens, you're going to uh, be wasting lots of money. Uh, the last meeting that we had, uh, the vote that I was talking about, where board members were, um, you know, called up and said, "Okay, if you don't, if you don't um, approve this in its entirety, there are going to be Sandag Transnet projects that are going to be uh, lost," and you know. That's important in itself, Steve, because we had $92 million of transnet money that we were talking about how that would be allocated. Many of those dollars that were federal and state dollars that we were actually talking about at that last meeting also was it was $673 million in total, which included mm-hmm. the $92 million. $92 million of that and many of the matching dollars were actually um, brought only because of those uh, those dollars that are paid for by the citizens of San Diego County. And yet you had TransNet projects that were voted on, by the way, in 2004 that are now going to be pushed out. And I'm going to give you an example of that. The uh, five interconnectors right there at the five and the uh, 78. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's a the big The environmental problem. is not going to be completed via that action until twenty thirty, think about this twenty thirty. I I am absolutely blown away that any of the board members, because you know we are all supposed to um, you know represent the citizens of San Diego County, could think in any any possibility of of a reality that that's a good thing. Right. We but we we actually are there to represent the citizens of San Diego County, every single one of them, and yet two thousand four. Here we are. 2030, we're still not even going to have the environmental done.
1: So you bring up the you know, the I five seventy eight interchange, and obviously that's a, a big problem for any of you in San Diego County who've driven that stretch. You know, there's a stoplight on Vista Way, and it just back up forever. It's not very functional. Um, but there was also a massive, and I think it was, you know, former Carlsbad Mayor Matt Hall had told me about. I think it was 2008 nine where. There was the most comprehensive and expensive study around that intersection and that highway um, ever done. It was in the, state of, in the state of California. It was, I believe, seventy-five million dollars. So,
0: sounds about right.
1: It seems like some of that work has already been done, and maybe they could just look at those environmental reports and maybe do some updates and cut that timeline by uh, uh, by years. I mean, th- this is and this has got to be in a source of. You know, frustration and aggravation for for residents as this is government bureaucracy and just slowdown at its worst. You know, seven years for an environmental review, um, you know, it's hard to wrap the mind around that. And uh, like you said, um, you know, just the the, the board not really respecting that – It's hard to believe. So
0: it's actually a slap in the face of San Diego County residents, in my opinion, because the action that was actually taken was that we move forward other projects ahead of that. So for instance, and and you know, I'm a San Diego County native. Right. I've lived here my whole life. I'm 56 years old. I take that back. I did (laughs) live away for two years. But other than those two years, I've lived in San Diego County my whole life. I understand the issues with the airport, but to push forward an airport connection ahead of the seventy-eight five, and this is just for the environmental, by the way. I, I I think a lot of citizens don't really understand, and I I know it's complex. I read I read all of what I'm I'm given, so I I probably am in um, more of the no than most board members. I in fact I know for sure I am, but but this is the problem. No one say, knows. Real quick, yeah. you say the
1: um, airport connector. That's the people mover. Yes, right?
0: that the, the, we never that, actually voted on, Steve. The, never actually voted LA on LA has
1: done project. that, and it's just this awkward-looking thing. I, I don't know how to dis- – yeah. yeah I, and then there's other airports that have had them. Anyone could go search it. But it just seems like an awkward thing to, to install when you're already – the plan is to connect the light rail to the – Airport already, or the trolley. So
0: well, there's not actually. You know, they called it. They call it the Central Mobility Hub slash Airport Connector. Though there is no actual location for the actual cent- Central Mobility Hub. I I have to tell you, you know, um, uh, Deputy Mayor Kim actually brought it down pretty succinctly as to each step that was taken by Santec. We never voted on a final project. However, we've already got over seventy million dollars now based on that action to to get the environmental done, to move this forward to the front of the line uh, ahead of what we already promised citizens back in 2004. That is a slap in the face of, of all residents of San Diego County. And guess what? The elected leaders that are voting for this don't care about what you voted on. And they're bringing forward another ballot measure that are they're calling a citizens initiative. It's not it's not, Steve. It's uh, it's the unions and the environmental groups that are bringing this forward. And, hey, we should absolutely protect and that's the our half environment. Cent,
1: that's the half it cent It is. Tax, it's another that's
0: half cent sales tax. By the way, you know, we're paying uh, until 2040, um, you know, transmit, transnet dollars. Mm-hmm. We're not getting those projects. Again, you know, let's go back. 2004, we approved this. 2020, the environmental only will be completed for the 578 connectors. I think that is a big deal because you've got, again, as you mentioned earlier, a stoplight. It's better, obviously, than the stop sign that was there, but not that much better. Um, And, you know, a lot of goods movement uh, happens on that, that stretch of the freeway. You know, it's not just cars. You know, there is definitely an assault on cars. And, you know, you also mentioned the road user charge. I I wanted to talk about that other stuff because I think it's really important uh, for people to understand what's going on. But the road user charge, you know, uh, many of the board members uh, that voted for the road user charge originally, not including myself because I voted against it, uh, were saying, you know, Now is not the right time for a road user charge. Guess what I have to say about that? Unless it pays for road improvements, which it doesn't, the regional road user charge was never, ever allocated to pay for any road improvements, no construction, no capital projects, nothing for a road or a highway, nothing. It was all to go to active transportation, which is bike lanes, or uh, capital projects for transit. Only so when people are on the board saying, "Oh my gosh, this is to pay for you know the road uh, improvements, that's an absolute outright lie. I've said this so many times. I can tell you right now many of the board board members never read what they voted on. They're totally misinformed. Every time I brought it up, they just ignored. And then they point to me and say, "Oh, you're you're being, um, you know, a certain way. You're you're, um, yeah. I'm bringing attention the truth. And so that's what I, you know. I feel like I am a truth teller down there, and uh, it's very frustrating. But you know, back to the red user charge. So it is not in the twenty five update, right? We haven't actually – we we voted to not have it in the 25 update. However, that plan hasn't come forward yet. We also voted to take it out of the 21 plan, which honestly was just truly symbolic, and that costs about a, a million and a half dollars. But, you know, I think for all residents, they need to pay attention to who voted on this in the first place. What cities voted for us? Uh, you know, what is your leadership doing in your city? And, you know, I think there's going to be a push now since there is no actual road user charge, which, by the way, again, never was to pay for any road improvements or um, construction. Um, I think there will be a push of the conversions. And when I talk about conversions, that is... Changing lanes that are highway lanes or um, uh, transit lanes, I'm sorry, not transit lanes, highway lanes or local roads, you know, arterials, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing, and making them uh, toll roads. Okay, so this next step will, um, you know, be monies, they say, that will be for everything. So I think that's likely what is to happen. Um, But, you know, even if it's allocated for all different sorts of things after this last vote of Transnet, um, of what we're actually using those Transnet match funds on moving forward projects ahead of what voters uh, decided to tax themselves on. I think it's obvious that the elected officials, not all of them, but the majority of the elected officials at Sandeck don't care about actually uh, respecting and uh, doing the right thing of having a balanced transportation system they're all in on the um the expensive transit projects that are fixed rail those are not the future uh the future technology really will be autonomous vehicles that sort of thing it actually moves cars uh, through quicker and when you talk about greenhouse gas reductions A lot of the things that people don't even understand is there is legislation through the state that is to reduce your greenhouse gases, GHGs, uh, but it's also to reduce your VMT, which is your vehicle miles traveled. Vehicle miles traveled is an important thing to understand because it doesn't mean – that you're driving a um, carbon emission vehicle, you could be driving electric. You could actually be driving uh, natural gas. You could be driving um, diesel,
1: uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah,
0: any anything that is n- even if it doesn't re- it doesn't have any carbon emissions, zero zero carbon emission vehicles. They want to reduce your VMT, which is your vehicle miles traveled. Yeah, this is a complete failure of our legislature of being realistic and trying to control people's behavior and it really is all about control.
1: So, because the state has put it, pushed out these you know aggressive mandates um you know the green energy transformation transition same with vehicles, what is the solution to reduce some of these emissions um you know how do, how does it go about because I mean I I, under, I understand the point, you know, that you that the Republican side has made with, you know, cost cost costs. And especially when you have either the highest or the second highest state cost of living, right? Yeah. Um, maybe outside of Hawaii. Um so but but the, you know these, these things are in place. And so how does how does one go about or, you know, your side try to f- bring to the table some some solutions that are counter to what they're trying to do.
0: Well, when I when you say my side, I would say that I'm on the side of all residents of the county. And and, and but you it's, know, regardless, it's I, still I a
1: partisan this. thing on the board.
0: And, and it's, so let's just talk a little bit about that. So when you talk about VMT, I've asked this numerous times. Some people can't answer me. And when I say VMT, well. Let me ask you, why would you need to control how many vehicle miles I travel if I'm driving any zero-emission vehicle? It's crickets, just (laughs) like right now. There is no answer to that. And and the truth is, it really is about uh, control. It doesn't have anything to do with actual carbon emissions, greenhouse gases, making a cleaner environment because if you look at you know even um uh you know just the future of technology all the things that we are innovating out of and having zero emission vehicles how is it that vehicle miles traveled can actually be a thing
1: well i i agree that it's a, it's a wild concept um obviously they even with the with the zero emissions you know what would it matter if you if you dri- kept driving your your normal um you know, routes are you know living your day to day as as is. Um, but I think another bigger concern is, um, you know, the counties, cities, they don't get credit for um, electric vehicle reductions Correct. in in uh, GHGs. Why and is I, that? I that was a law written by the now current Sacramento mayor back in two thousand seven or eight. Um, so that was they're playing the long. Somebody was playing the long game on that, and it doesn't seem to compute. The state can take credit for it but these re- agencies don't. So I mean I, I when I when I try to explain this to people I'll say, well, okay, look at it this way, you're at 100% of your emissions target, right? That you have to try to reduce. Well, now let's say if you, your EMTs took away 40% of that, really these cities and counties have to hit 140%, which isn't mathematically possible, right? Well, so it- I don't know how you how they go about trying to meet these goals and and to some of them too, I don't think they're realistic in the timeline because technology, while it moves lightning fast, it doesn't move that fast. Because so you have supply chains that take years to catch up with that technology. And to more, so since, build. Yeah.
0: more so, even since the, the actual pandemic. Right. So let's, let's, let's talk about that. Let's break that all down for one minute. We have laws that are completely unrealistic. I am I am not I, I'm very pragmatic. I am not someone that lives in a, in a an alter universe that's not reality. I live in reality. I see that we don't have enough electricity to actually um motorize these electric vehicles, but then we also have other technologies where, you know um that are zero carbon emission vehicles. But the but the bottom line is again, you know, the VMT. You have this unrealistic, it's not about actual um, gas. It's not really about that. It's it's about something else. And, you know, you've got these uh, climate action goals that are not attainable. And, you know, I, I, for one, am always, and I say this pretty often, you might have heard me actually say this before, but I live in a reality where I think we should be aggressive on goals, but we shouldn't set goals for ourselves that cannot be met. And, you know, you've got to look at every point. every decision in its totality, right? You can't just say, okay, well, we want to have this fantasy at 2035, we are not going to have any more gas-powered vehicles. Do you know who actually has most of the gas-powered vehicles today?
1: Well, it's the middle-class and lower-income folks. That's right. Secondary That's right. market, too, is going to be a big thing that you can't regulate. <laughs>
2: Hey there, San Diego. I've been using Dorado Nutrition Supplements for a little while now, and I can tell you they've made a huge difference in my health journey. Not only are they made in the USA with high-quality ingredients, but they're also rigorously tested for purity, potency, and safety. And the results speak for themselves. With ingredients like Fidoja Agrestis and Tonkat Ali, I've seen more energy, better gut health, improved T levels, muscle mass, and performance. And the best part is that you can get $5 off of your next purchase with the promo code STAYCLASSY at checkout. Trust me, if you're looking to take your health and performance to the next level, Dorado Nutrition is the way to go.
1: To pivot real quick, yeah. because you brought it up a couple of times on on the board, and I saw a letter from um, Melanie Burkholder talking and you know, addressing Nor- uh, Chairwoman Nora Vargas about kind of overstepping her bounds, or at least that how she feels and some on the board feel. Um, and with the dynamics of the board over the last few years, and even Hassan has said this, you know, that it's just um, kind of worn on him. Uh, and, and others, and there seems to be no ability to strike middle ground or common ground. Um,
0: That's not true. You don't I, think so? I actually no. I uh, the, the proposal that uh, Melanie Burkholder uh, presented on Friday was not to change uh, any of the projects that were in that. Oh no, I didn't say it was. No, it was no, just, I know. Again, I'm showing say-
1: the fracture between the board and you know the leaders of the board, and maybe it's the you know the Democratic side and the Republican side. Just you know, it's that partisan stuff, like can there be compromise on some of these bigger scale things? I mean, it sounds like on some of them there, 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 uh, there are, but those are, you know, to be honest, those, those are kind of just rudimentary things that is normal type of business. So yeah, of course everybody's going to vote yes on, but when it comes to the heavy hitting stuff, you know, it it takes years. Like what we saw with the Ruck where it was you and Kime finally were able to, you know, outmaneuver them and, you know, well, polling probably had a big deal to do with that uh, as well. Um, And – but it just seems like there's a lot of hostilities on the board. Um, You know, there's not a lot of collaboration, or at least that's the way the board presents itself to me. Um, So what are your thoughts on that?
0: So so can and will are two different things. Can there be compromise on the board? Absolutely. Will there be? Um, Not as long as you've got people that are elected that are working for um, other entities that are outside of uh, their scope. I don't work for a party. I don't work for um, uh, one group of people. I work for everyone. So when I'm there, I am truly, um, you know, trying to work for everyone. When I look at that People Mover uh, project, I, I think that it probably will be a waste of money. I don't think it will do what we expect it to do. I haven't seen the data that actually proves that up. So that being said, I didn't try to take it out of the the actual um, budget amendment on Friday. What I tried to do was to prioritize the 2004 projects that we promised San Diego County residents ahead of something that came later. That was what the motion was. That's what Melanie Burkholder's motion was. I supported it. Because and I seconded that motion because I truly do believe that we can work together, but there is an unwillingness, as you had said um and and I think you know as people start to pay attention, and I'm talking about voters, voters need to pay attention to who's voting for what, and not not just about what they tell you because anyone can tell you anything. Watch their votes. Look at how they're saying, how they're, um, they're voting at that board. Look at what they're saying, every single word, because many of them say one thing and they actually do something else. You know, uh, Chairwoman Vargas, I, when I brought up the whole situation about uh, one of the staff uh, coming forward, if, that, if, if those board members were comfortable to, to talk about it, they would have said something. I'm sure it'll come out at some point in time. But she literally started losing her cool and saying, I want to know who this was right now from staff and who said this, who did this. And it's like, wow, let's just make a witch hunt out of it uh, because that's what it, it will become. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I try to speak for everyone, even the voiceless, the people, the board members that are, that are maybe newer to the board when they are afraid to speak up. I want to be their voice. I want to ha- have, have them see that it's they can be comfortable enough to have their voices heard. I think Friday was an absolute uh, train wreck when you think about um, can they feel comfortable to speak up? I don't think so. I think Friday proved that you will be bullied and you will be absolutely um, uh, railroaded into a, a, a situation where you are vilified. And even I was vilified. I honestly, you know, I've been doing this so long, Steve, that I have the thick skin for it. Um, but, I, but I have to tell you, many of the board members are scared. They're scared to speak up because they see what's going to happen. And, you know, I, I hope that that changes. But as long as you have people that are going to be bullying them, that that will never change. So, you know, again, uh, electing people that are not bullies, I think, is an important thing. Um, but also, you know, making sure that you uh, tell your representative I don't like it when you do that. I need you to stand up for me. I need you to speak truth, have the data behind you to to prove that truth. Um, yeah, I, 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 one thing I would like to say is I, I oftentimes on social media am um, questioned on things and I I give people links. I'm all about the the facts. I give people links to the actual factual information. They're like, oh, the road user charge does pay for um, uh, road improvements. And then I send them the documents. I say, the document is located here. Here's where you find it. It's on this page It tells you very clearly that that's not the case. And, you know, I think as more people have the courage to do something like that, I think we will see a shift. But you're right. It could take quite a while. Well, if people are
1: scared to even voice an opinion um, to represent their city on a a regional agency like that, then what's the point? Um, You know. People, they're going to get hammered. They could get hammered by their own party. They could be hammered by the other party or the other members. Um, like you said, um, the toxicity of it uh, permeates throughout there. fear, um, you know, and, and that's obviously driven by a political motivation for control uh, to, to direct dollars wherever it needs, needs to go. I mean obviously there's a lot of people out there who I've talked to who look at Sandag as just kind of a nice big slush fund for the city of San Diego to get – uh, their infrastructure projects done because they're, they're so underwater by billions of dollars. But at the same time, if, if you can't come together, um, you know, I, I guess my original question would stand like, what's the point, um, you know, and especially with, you know, new voting systems like the way to vote. Uh, but, you know, how is, I don't I just, It's just, it's just, does it add, how does it add any credibility? It seems that that would just erode, further erode the credibility of the organization of the board um and, Bring absolutely no confidence to anybody in the in the in the,
0: the, the organization is a failure. I'm not. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. It is a failure. I, I 100% agree with that. However,
1: oh, I didn't say it was. I was just saying it, it is. Could, the perception could be that it's a. failure.
0: Oh, it is a failure. Um, but you know, I I think back to your point. You know, you made a couple of points there. For me, this I just won my fifth election. When I'm done with this term in um, in San Marcos, it'll be 20 years that I've served. 20 years, 20 years that I've tried to make a difference. I'm not giving up. I personally believe that no matter what, um, no matter what happens, it's no there's no right way to do the wrong thing. I know that's uh, very idealistic, but at the end of the day, you know, I I am planning on running for uh, county supervisor for okay. District Five. Um, you know, Jim Desmond's going to be termed out. I plan on running for that seat because I know that even my time on the board, although it doesn't always look like it, I have been able to move the needle. And I am one person that has been very steadfast in, in all that I've done and, um, you know, and very consistent and very fact-based, very factual. Um, you know, we can't give up. If, if, if our founding fathers gave up, we wouldn't even have a country. So if you think about history and and what happens, every single person needs to do their part. Every single person needs to figure out how to work together. You know, let's talk about, um, you know, getting along. You know, marriage, I'm just going to bring marriage <laughs> in, uh, even though I, I'm not married, but um, any relationship is give and take. You have to figure out how to serve everyone. As long as there is a sense and um, an empowerment as there is right now that only one party matters, well, then we're going to have issues. But if you continue to say we need both voices heard and we need to collaborate and we need as long as there are people that are sensibly speaking like myself, that's where I think you get people to listen and pay attention and say, you know what, I want that too. Maybe I lean more Democrat or um, Independent or Republican, but I want someone that is going to represent me in a way that is collaborative. Because I know that at one point in time, no matter what happens, you dig your heels in, nothing is going to get done. Relationships have to be about people working together because dominance is not, um, you know, we live in a free country, we yeah. still do, and you know we have to remember that, and you know remind ourselves that unless we work together, and that is our end goal, we will never ever um, be able to continue to move forward as a civil civilized society.
2: Hey, stay classy, listeners. Steve here, and we have a new friend of the show. I can't wait to share with you none other than legendary group, San Diego's premier nightlife company that specializes in making your nights unforgettable. If you haven't heard already, they are the go-to source for connecting you to the best events in the city and handling all of your VIP needs. To access the very best of San Diego, visit www.legendarygroup.com. That's www.lgndrygroup.com for more information.
1: Well, let's talk about some of those things where you... you that you are making a difference in the city of San Marcos. Yeah. Um, a lot of things happening there. Uh, big things, good things, kind of a transformation of the city is kind of how I see it in some respects of certain projects and things that you guys have been able to get done. Um, but first of all, you guys hired a new city manager. Obviously, that's no small thing. Um, it's, a, you know, one of the most important, if not the most important position in a city. Um, just tell us a little bit about the new city manager and what the expectations there.
0: Well, it is. It's a very exciting time in San Marcos. And, you know, I can um, I can definitely attest to the fact that when I joined the council in 2007, our city was a very different city. Uh, we didn't have a low crime rate. We didn't have uh, – we were fiscally responsible because that was uh, – historically, our city has always been that way. Um, but we had a lot of challenges. You know, we have a lot of growing pains. We're definitely one of the fastest growing cities in the county uh many of that are many of the reasons for that is um you know First of all, we've got a large uh, student population, about 40,000 students coming in every single day. Right. And, you know, if a city just under 100,000, you know, that's pretty <laughs> significant. Um, and then we also have, you know, a city that's uh, centrally located between the 5 and the, and the 15, right off the 78. So that's a good thing. Uh, we also have, you know, some uh, land that's still available and, you know, redevelopment opportunities. So all of those things really lend to a bustling city, which we have been... Uh, we're just finishing up our largest capital improvement project in our city's history. We should be wrapped up uh, around the end of the year with that. And a uh, hundred and probably Probably right around 120 million dollars, when all is said and done, with an accompanying 40 million dollars, so really about 160 million dollars um, in infrastructure that really will uh, help uh, the flooding in our city, but also uh, make it easier for people to move around. You know, even including our students, we just had our uh, Kaiser Permanente Hospital open this uh, this year in August, and you know, just um, gosh, our low, the lowest crime rate in our city's hit history. Uh, We are the lowest uh, crime rate in the county. We kind of go back and forth with uh, Poway, which they don't have a a highway that bisects them as we do. So we have more challenges and still uh, maintaining the lowest or second lowest crime rate in the whole county, which in the old days, when I joined uh, the city council, it wasn't like that. And so, you know, being fiscally responsible and, you know, a lot of people don't know this either. We are our our tax rate, our uh, property tax rate is one uh, percent the same as most cities, but our share of that as a city is only seven point one cents out of every dollar. That's significant because you know we're we're able to maintain some of the highest uh, response uh, times in in our fire department. We have a Class One agency, which that's one of the factors of how how quickly they're able to respond to emergencies and all that we have done so much with so little. I'm really proud about that. And, you know, so moving forward, we do have challenges. And, you know, so hiring a new city manager, our um, our past uh, city manager, Jack Griffin, he was with us for 11 years. Uh, he moved on and, you know, having a new city manager, Michelle uh, Bender, she's been with us for, gosh, probably 14 years, I think it is. She started out in HR, but she's been um, acting city manager when our city manager is out of town, and also our assistant city manager. You know, one of the things that she started off, uh, her tenure was with Um, a customer experience team. We do realize with a lot of things that are going on within our community and our development and uh, all of those things, we sometimes get in the way um, because government does that. We've got our red tape. Um, We're not immune to that. But we definitely want uh, the customer experience, whether that be you're a resident or you are a property owner and you uh, want to develop your property or you want to open a business in our city. Everyone matters in our community. And I think that's one of the things about my leadership that has uh, been, you know, something that I've always done. And that is making sure that I serve everyone. But Michelle Bender also has that as uh, one of her benchmarks of who she is. And so, really caring about our community, caring about uh, the experience with our uh, residents is really important for her. So, starting off that customer experience team. We also do have our app, uh, our San Marcos app, which is a report of concern. We want people to use that, utilize that, and uh, whenever they have issues, let us know because feedback is really important for us. And, you know, I tell people often, I know it sounds weird, but being an elected official and, again, you know, running five campaigns, being out on the ground five times, you know, asking people, what can we do better? What's What What do you like about our city? What's, what's What can we improve on? I think that's one of the best things about, um, you know, running a campaign. But also, we want to hear from our residents um, on a regular basis. How can we better improve your quality of life? What can we do? And, you know, we can't do everything, um, obviously, all at once. But to have that as part of our, um, our moving forward goals. And, you know, I think Michelle um, really takes all of these things to heart. And, you know, so it's an exciting time for us, uh, for her. Um, again, you know, largest capital improvement project lowest crime rate in our city's history, also in the county. Um, and, you know, let's talk about homeless for a minute, too. Um, yeah. We have we have actually 7% of our total housing stock is deed-restricted affordable. I think that makes a big difference in, um, you know, being able to keep people from becoming homeless. You know, we have only about... Uh, well, it's in the single digits of the, our count in, uh, point in time count of homeless population. We we obviously would love to have zero, but that's not always possible. We want people to get help. We work very hard right. in connecting them to services. But I think our affordable housing has been a uh, deterrent from people becoming homeless. You know, that's been extremely intentional on our part. In my time, you know, we have 2,338 uh, um Uh, deed-restricted affordable housing uh, units, or actually, I think it's 2,400 now. Um, uh, Over 1,100 of those have been built in my tenure on the city council. I've been very supportive of that. I think, you know, as much as we possibly can, and even it's become more important, um, is improving people's quality of life, but keeping them from becoming homeless individuals. You know, um, just... You know, not everyone is a high income earner, and you know I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Our low income, um, our our lower income class is is people. they are people that we need to be working hard for always, and you know, things like uh, providing them home is important. Making sure that we they're not paying regressive taxes, like uh, fees to drive on their local roads, or you know, um, a uh, vehicle miles travel fee. All these fees. You know, continue to uh, um, disintegrate uh, their quality of life. We don't want that. So, you know, everything that we possibly can do to make sure they have a good quality of life is important. You know, creating spaces. And so, you know, you talked a little bit about um, North City. North City is growing. Um, and, yeah, I
1: wanted to get into that. Yeah. So I know, got three things for you here. Okay. Um, okay. On that front uh, yeah. of the the active. Things that are going on in San Marcos. So we've got North City, yep. um, which we'll define here in a second. The Creek Project and Restaurant Row redevelopment, yeah. Um, so North City it was—it's not a redevelopment; it's just a, a straight-up development that's been going on for about ten years now. Uh, Multi-billion-dollar project. Uh, you know, thousands of homes, businesses. It's a, across the street from Cal State San Marcos. Um, kind of a young professional urban core. Uh, a, a I guess you could say it was kind of transforming your city and that's kind of the new downtown hopping you know, happening hotspot. Um, and it still has about 10 years to go for build out.
0: It does. Um,
1: but the, the, one of the big things though, and this is a first, is uh, the developer Seabreeze has broken ground on, two, I believe it's two, 12-story um, buildings. One, one, just one 12 story building, but it's yeah. the highest one in North County. It is. Um, maybe you can guys get one of those, you know, cool Midwestern fancy signs so people could pull off the highway and check it out. Um, but there is a lot going on there. It and um, just tell me a little bit about, you know, what that project has been like and kind of how it's transforming San Marcos.
0: So, you know, a lot of people ask me where San Marcos downtown. We never really had one. You know, the history is what's important. And I and I say this all the time. History is so important for so many reasons. One is, you know, obviously so you don't make the same mistakes twice. But history is also important in planning. Right. So when you think about, you know, planning a North City, becoming that city that does have a downtown core, it doesn't happen overnight. It is something that's been very intentional. You know, I was—I'm actually the only council member that's left that approved this uh, project originally. We approved it back in two thousand nine. Oh wow! It's finally coming to fruition. Yeah. I would say that probably the most successful and important part about uh, North City is that the money behind North City is a private family that is not affected too much by uh, the market. Okay. <laughs> and uh, they live in England, and they're investing in a long term goal of wanting to have a special space and You know earlier this year we we did approve uh some changes revisions to that plan right. uh, the first significant changes that we've made, and that is to provide more open space to create that sense of space to make it more attractive to what's and you know this is this is government doing <laughs> what they should be doing that is going back and saying hey what we're seeing is the trends are people want that open space right. they want that community space let's build it for them and so when they approached me they said what are your thoughts about this i said you know what i love it because again you know i do believe if you haven't gotten right haven't gotten it right things are still evolving it's good to come back as government to say let's make some revisions let's do that so we we allowed those uh, changes no 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 greater density just changing the, how the the actual building will look. So a little bit taller, but adding that extra open community space for people to join, you know, and to gather. So, you know, Restaurant Row, let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah,
1: the famous Restaurant Row, big yep. redevelopment project going down there too. Yeah. That made waves a couple of years ago when that news broke. Um, you know, that's obviously been the heart and soul, I guess, a little it bit is. of San Marcos for decades. It and is. so, when there's a shock change like that, you know, the natives get restless. It's – it's you know, change is always – can be scary for those who who don't embrace it. Um, but now there's a, a really – you know, there's a built-out plan. It's 10 and a half acres, 202 residential, 30 commercial condo units. I don't know what that means. But um, that was just from the staff report I was reading. Yeah. And then uh, one acre park and, of course, pickleball. Got to have pickleball nowadays. Um, and some other features too. I'm sure some retail space or commercial space. But – um, yeah, that comes before the planning commission. I think next week uh, or in the next two weeks. So, just your thoughts on on how that whole plan has has evolved over the last year year and a half.
0: As a gal that moved to San Marcos in 1987, you know Restaurant Row wasn't very old. It only opened in, in uh, 1976, so I moved there in 1987. Uh, you look at San Marcos, that has. It has been the heart and soul of the community. When I was approached by the developer, and by the way, I think most of the angst that came from the restaurant road change was it literally sold in the middle of the night? That's how people felt. It really, it really was a very awkward transition. I don't
1: know if banks are open in the middle of the night unless they're, you know, maybe doing a deal with a, an English bank or something over in UK or Europe. It was open. during you know, COVID. It, it was it.
0: during the middle of the <laughs> night, and so many people felt very afraid of what they didn't know, right. myself included. And you know, when when the developer that had uh, been approached by the owner of the property uh, came to me and said, you know, what are your thoughts on... like, if you think that you're going to come in at a restaurant row and have none of the history preserved, you're going to upset me. And I am very invested in this community. I've served a long time, and it's really important to me that you listen to the community. You hear what they have to say. Respond to what they want to see as far as park space and all of that. Be a good community member. And, you know... They did. To their credit, they walked in with pitchforks in many cases of the community and said, you know what, we're not going to shy away from this. We're going to hear what you have to say. And, you know, I understand, you know, a lot of people were very upset. In 2012, when we changed the general plan, we had so many outreach events. I think there were 38 of them. The community they didn't show up because they were happy that what was going on in the community. This is when it actually was approved, um, and, you know, we wanted that feedback, but that's when it was approved to do mixed use on that piece of property. Gotcha. So, you know, that's a very important part of this. But I think also responding to the community further in in the... Um, And the concept of of what this plan will look like has been really important. I believe that they have done this. They are creating community space. One other thing that I told them is I said, you can't just wipe it off the face of the earth. We need the history, the story of Restaurant Row Preserved. So they've assured me that they are going to do that uh, with uh, a story somewhere uh, located within uh, the Restaurant Row Park area. The other thing that they did is they hired an outside consultant to say, "Okay, um, we've got uh, this exciting um, opportunity. We want to try to preserve some of the inside space of what's going on in Restaurant Row, some of the beams that are in it, that sort of thing. So they have gone in and categorized every single um, uh, beam, um, special element, and whatever they're not able to capture within their their development, they're going to offer to the community to – you know what, you want a beam from restaurant row, come and enjoy it. Take it to your home, have it as a, a fireplace mantle. Any anything that you want to take, we will offer that up. You take it, that's great. you get to keep it. Yeah. I think and, people
1: really relate to that kind of stuff. You see so. that with like, especially with, you know, demolition stadiums and stuff like that. That's yeah. a core to some of those, you know, cities. Um, you know, I'm a Broncos Denver Broncos fan and there's a Broncos bar in Solana Beach and and the owner has Seats from the old Mile High Stadium, you know, yeah. and it's like, that's a cool thing. So it's nostalgic. Giving, yeah. Giving a piece of that history to those in, in San Marcos, um, or at least having them, they have access to that kind of stuff is, is a really neat feature of this. And, and it's a dynamic project too. I mean, when you're, when you're looking at it from, from, from scale, you know, you got the, the the movie theater right there, you got that other kind of mall shopping center behind there as well. So there's a lot of things to do. And then I wanted to kind of pivot to this as well, is that Creek project with Discovery street or road, Mm -hmm. um, tying North city. And that'll probably some ways connect with this new project over at restaurant row as well. So how much of that project, you know, is really going to be able to, um, open up that area of the city from, you know, what would that be? The, the West side, I guess, of the city, in your new downtown from your new downtown.
0: So back in 2005, when I was a member of the Creek district task force, the original, well, the last iteration, I should say, um, you know we we always envisioned really creating a space where we have a downtown, but it's not just one little small defined downtown but it it kind of um really is a connection of all the parts of our community that are able to have that non um uh, you know uh, how do I put this the old uh home ownership of a home a house and a and a neighborhood. How do we connect the more urban sort of living with each other? And how do, and and again, that comes back to planning. And, you know, we always envisioned, you know, we went on so many field trips during my time on the Creek District Task Force. How do you connect and bring together all these parts of the community that would otherwise live independently? Part of it is really creating those connections. So that Discovery uh, Street is a very important connection. Craven, Discovery, um, Via Veracruz, all of it really will be connected via roads. But also, let's not forget Area of the Arts, which we just approved at our last city council meeting. That is moving forward. That is also creating more community space. All of this is is really reacting and responding to what's happened uh, with people wanting to spend more time together, wanting to have those connections, and really creating that downtown space that we never had in San Marcos. I think it is an evolution, but I also think that it is um, – You know, I know it seems that there's ashes at Restaurant Row in some cases because it is the end of something old but the beginning of something new. But there can be beauty from those ashes and really connecting those spaces with North City, Restaurant Row, um, and the Creek District, and then also Area of the Arts, which is now um, Marcos, right there at at, uh, Linda Vista and uh, Grand Avenue, creating that connection and the community, um, space and the, and the really community involvement and that sense of community has been something very intentional that I've done. And I think it's important for us to move forward again, you know, having the customer experience, uh, team and all of that. I think we're moving Samarks to the next level. I say many times that we've created the Sunday, but now we've got to get that, uh, that, uh, whipped cream on top <laughs> and that cherry and those, and those nuts, all of those things are really important for us. And I, and I believe that that's what we're doing. We're going to the next level.
1: Well, I, I agree. Thank you so much for joining us. I would say San Marcos and probably Oceanside are two of the most active cities in North County. I love what's going on there. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Again, my name is Steve Paturski. I'm the co- co-host and guest host, actually, um, since Steve Wire's is sick. Uh, you can visit me. Check out my writings at North County Pipeline on Substack. That's ncpipeline.substack.com. And next week, Steve will be back in the host chair, so we'll look forward uh, to having him back. And thank you so much for listening.
2: This has been another recorded episode of Stay Classy San Diego with your host Steve Wire. Thanks again to our sponsor Max Lux Media at maxluxmedia.com. Check us out at Stay Classy Pod. Dot com or any of our social media outlets. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and everywhere else you get your podcast content. Please like and subscribe to our channel. It really helps us continue bringing you important content that you're not going to see anywhere else. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning into the show. See you next time. Stay classy, San Diego. Hey there, San Diego. I've been using Dorado Nutrition Supplements for a little while now, and I can tell you they've made a huge difference in my health journey. Not only are they made in the USA with high-quality ingredients, but they're also rigorously tested for purity, potency, and safety. And the results speak for themselves. With ingredients like Fidozia Agrestis and Tonkat Ali, I've seen more energy, better gut health, improved T levels, muscle mass, and performance. And the best part is that you can get $5 off of your next purchase with the promo code STAYCLASSY at checkout. Trust me, if you're looking to take your health and performance to the next level, Dorado Nutrition is the way to go.